0: Filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Okay, let's get started. Hello and welcome to another episode of the HR Room Podcast. This September,
1: PwC released the Irish 2023 Hopes and Fears Workforce Survey, which details the attitudes and behaviours of a thousand Irish workers, and nearly 54,000 global workers in 46 countries in their global survey. This survey has again showcased some interesting results, and after a great chat on this very podcast about last year's survey, we simply had to bring back Louise Shannon, Senior Manager of Reward and Workforce Strategy at PwC Ireland, to chat to us about this year's survey. Thanks for joining us again, Louise. How are you?
2: No worries. I'm good. Thanks, Owen.
1: Brilliant stuff. And as always, we're joined by our very own Mary Cullen, Founder and Managing Director here at HR. How are you, Mary?
3: I'm great. Thanks, Owen, and brilliant to have you back again, Louise. Yeah, good to be here.
1: Brilliant stuff. Yes, we'll we'll jump right in. So again, look, as we said, a lot of interesting results, Louise, and I'm delighted to have you back to talk about it. So I suppose to kick us off, Louise, a bit of a, a context setter, I suppose. Can you talk to us about some of the kind of key findings from the survey anything that might have changed uh, since last year? Anything of note from from your
2: perspective? Yeah, sure. So the survey was completed in spring of this year and as you said, we had responses from 54,000 workers in 46 countries, which included 1,000 Irish workers. In terms of key findings, there are three key messages coming from the Irish results. So firstly, um, organisations need to do more to get their culture right for transformation efforts. And I've seen firsthand myself the impact that organization culture can have in terms of that ability to, you know, implement change or achieve goals. Secondly, people are struggling financially um, and organizations should be concerned. I think as we know that stressed workers are more likely to be distracted, less engaged and more likely to look for a new job. The survey really enforces um, this message with retention continuing to be a major challenge. Thirdly, then, on a more positive note, people are enthusiastic about the future when it comes to skills. However, they're not clear if their employer will provide the right opportunities. I think a skills first approach may be the key to unlocking talent already within the organization and easing the pressure of the skills shortages. If I look then at comparisons to last year um, and expanding on that talent retention piece, Over one in five confirmed that they will change jobs in the next 12 months, which is up from last year. And nearly a quarter said that they're struggling to pay or cannot pay the bills. And this is up from 11% last year. And only 36% feel that they're fairly financially rewarded for the work they do, with 38% then saying that they're planning to ask for a pay rise this year. So definitely people are. I think, feeling the economic squeeze, they're struggling financially um, and they're going to ask more of their employers.
1: Definitely. And it's it's it's, it's great to see. Well, I was not great, but it's interesting to see a lot of those things come up again in this year's survey and some of them with some major increases. So thanks for, for outlining those. ways very interesting stuff. Um, so Mary, look, I suppose from our experience with clients speaking to people, Mary, I mean, a lot of those big ticket items are still there, the cost of living, money, money, money culture, retention, all those kind of bits. Do they all kind of echo with yourself, resonate with yourself, Mary, about kind of our own experiences, what we're hearing from people?
3: Absolutely. And I think they're all kind of interrelated as well. Um, and, yeah. you know, because I think because people are under pressure and there is that ongoing movement in the jobs market as people are seeking more money. Uh, I've heard so many people say that, you know, my employer won't give me a pay increase and I have no option but to look around. It's not that I necessarily want to leave my job, but I cannot afford to live, uh, you know, as I currently am. And that's, I think, particularly so for younger employees who are, you know, looking to buy or build their first home, who are facing substantial um, costs in terms of childcare. Who um, maybe are under a bit of pressure to come back in to the offices for maybe more enforced approach to uh, hybrid working, um, and thereby the cost of their commute factoring in when some for a lot of people they might not have really had that cost to consider, you know the cost of the commute plus maybe lunches out and things like that. So I think that is generally putting that little bit of pressure on it and at the same time you're seeing employers then going what is it about our culture that people don't want to be here for and let's look a bit more at our culture and and you know, re-examine our our values and where we're going and how our employees are feeling. Um, And I think it's really interesting, you know, a thousand Irish workers have said this in in your survey. We find that when we're doing um, work with our clients, maybe around um, employee attitude surveys, we're hearing the same things. You know, I'm Pay inequity. I don't feel I'm fairly paid for the work I do. I don't feel I can live, um, you know, and my skills maybe aren't recognised internally, um, and maybe other uh, organisations out there giving people an opportunity based on skills and transferable skills and they're seeing that that ability to increase their income on that basis too.
1: Definitely so a lot of the same worries and concerns last year. There's obviously some good news in the survey, but again some things that are that are still lingering a little bit. I suppose as Mary said there Louise, one of the things that is still kind of featuring not only obviously in this survey, but featuring highly in the headlines. Um, is the cost of living crisis. It's still lingering a little bit. I think we all we all feel it to some level or, or another. Can you talk to us a little bit more about the cost of living crisis from the perspective of the survey?
2: Yeah, yeah. No, I think the reality is that employees are struggling financially. The challenges of inflation and, and you know the rising energy costs are significant. And as I said, retention and that ability to attract talent continues to be an issue. I think there's an opportunity for organizations to really transform their total reward offerings. I think pay is one element, but there are other variables that organizations can leverage. And I believe that they should do this with a focus on enhancing the total wellness. I know I've spoken on, about this on, on here before. So what I mean by total wellness is aligning reward offerings to physical, emotional, mental, social, career and financial wellness, and then tailoring this to the needs of each individual. So really engaging with your employees to understand what they need, customizing your offering, and then lastly, ensuring that it's effectively communicated, as this is a key component to really maximize the results of your award strategy. You know, so ensuring it's digital, easily accessible, accurate, and includes, you know, all forms of total reward that encompass that full uh, employee value proposition.
1: Definitely. And I suppose my next question, Mary, was going to be, and this is something that Louise has alluded to there is how can employers maybe alleviate some of those stresses around the cost of living? I know we spoke to Louise last year about total wellness. We also spoke to Oliver Coakley previously about kind of holistic reward strategies. So it's not just about the fixing the money side of things, Mary, when it comes to alleviating stress over the cost of living crisis for employees, really, is it?
3: Yeah, and I think you know, for anybody who's interested in um, what Oliver Coakley had to say, it's it's worth checking out um, that podcast episode because he talked very much um, about you know people maybe moving for a few thousand more, and actually by the time tax and commute and other factors are factored into. Um, that salary increase. Actually, they're not moving for a whole lot more in reality. Um, And so, you know, I think when it comes to reward, hearing the voice of your people is really, really important. Understanding what matters to them is really, really important. Because, you know, in order to come up with solutions, um, you've got to first understand what the problem is for your particular demographic, and that will be different depending on the nature of your particular business and, and the demographic that your business uh, has. So, you know, if you have a lot of um people in their maybe late 20s, mid 30s looking to buy their first homes um, or, you know, struggling to find accommodation or starting to raise families you may want to look at that particular gra- demographic and think what can we do there what kind of reward uh, or benefits would work for for that particular group of people and likewise you you might have you know people, maybe like me, who are that bit older, whose mortgage is nearly paid, whose children have left home. um, And uh, I might want entirely different things. I might be thinking more about health and pension or uh, flexibility or more freedom or whatever, you know. So I think it is really important to to um, look at your own demographic, hear their voice, understand and start thinking about how you could um, provide flexible benefits uh, and, you know, provide what it is that your employees actually want and, and the demographic you're appealing to need and require.
1: Definitely. And I suppose ignoring those things or maybe not, maybe ignoring is a harsh word, but not taking consideration of those things, Mary, can have a negative effect on the workplace. I mean, stress can bubble up, tension can bubble up. So there is a lot of things that can negatively affect the workplace if you don't take care of this kind of stuff, Mary, isn't there?
3: There really is. And, you know, it's interesting. You know, I have a, a 23-year-old son, 21-year-old son, and I got a call from my 21-year-old son about, you know, is Ireland doing a... a Four-day week experiment or trial. I said, well, not back if that was the case from Scotland. Um, and you know, for my 23-year-old, the the importance of flexibility, maybe remote work or or more opportunities around that, the ability to balance life uh, versus work is far more important than it would have been to me at the same age um, when times were different. And maybe to me right now, because I've worked my whole working life um, in a certain way. So I think it's really important that we think these things through very, very carefully and consider the differing perspectives across um, all generations. But at the same time, you know, I'm as interested in flexibility and travel and experiences as, as someone who might be 23. So we can't make assumptions either.
1: Lovely. Okay. And look, I suppose kind of similar question to yourself then, Louise. I mean, when it comes to these stressors or hopes and fears, as you can call them in the terminology of the survey, again, what kind of effect do you think they're having on workplaces from your perspective and maybe through the lens of of the survey what are people saying when it comes to those things
2: yeah well some interesting statistics um firstly the proportion of the Irish respondents um who said that they were able to you know pay their bills and have any money left over for savings or holidays or things like that at the end of the month um, had fallen to 35 percent from 40 percent last year Also, the results show that 23% of workers felt that their workload was unmanageable. So I think that plus, you know, navigating economic instability places a significant mental and emotional strain on workers' health and well-being. So I definitely think burnout is a concern for organizations um, and targeted efforts need to be made to support employees in taking proactive steps to address this. I also think it's important to look at things like work environment, you know, culture and behavior, the meaning people get from their work, opportunities for growth and development, you know, flexible working that you've touched on, Mary, and so on. Um, and I think key to getting this right is really understanding what's important to your people, continuously, you know, measuring, tweaking and and improving your approach so that it's aligning with your evolving workforce.
1: Definitely. Is something, again, that we say can, can't be ignored just to be Built into, into strategies. Um, I suppose on a kind of a lighter note then, uh, Louise, away from the cost of living, um, I think you mentioned our skills kind of also features. I mean, the skills gap has been something that's been been on the minds in the years of, of HR professionals for a couple of years now. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about the findings in relation to skills and that kind of stuff uh, via the survey?
2: Sure. So the responses show that organizations can definitely benefit from a skills first approach to their workforce. So potentially tapping into the skills and capabilities that they already have, um, but are not yet using, as we did find that 37 percent of respondents have skills that are not clear from their qualifications, you know, job history or job titles. And that indicates that organizations may not have sight of the full range of skills within their workforce. Also, less than 55% of um, the Irish employees feel confident that their employer will provide them with the required tools, resources and opportunity to build the, build the skills needed. So, you know, so definitely a bit of a disconnect there. Additionally, I think employers must balance um, between creating that digitally enabled workforce and giving adequate attention to the more nurturing human centred skills. As when we asked what skills employees feel will be important in the next five years, the top responses were adaptability, flexibility, collaboration, critical thinking, and leadership skills. So the key action, I think, is really to understand, you know, what skills does my organization have and what's really needed for the future?
1: look. I think Mary Louise alluded to it there. There is a lot of actionable things here. I suppose the good news is, Mary, looking at these results, there's a lot of things that HR teams and organizations can actually get a hold of, isn't there? There's not... It's not as if it's all bad news with no solutions. There's actually some proper things HR teams can pluck some actions out of, isn't there?
3: Absolutely. You know, the market's hot. People are moving, people can move, salaries are on the rise, employers are competing with each other in the same sectors and paying more. And that's a real challenge from from a HR perspective, to, you know, put your arms around the existing workforce, try and meet their needs. Um but also at the same time, there are realities uh, for organisations who also have rising costs, and um, you know their ability to maybe meet those needs uh, aren't always there either. But you know, I think the the future is very exciting with the you know advent of uh, AI and and new technologies and new ways of working, um, and I think it's quite an exciting time to be in HR and to really look at these challenges and and leverage technology in a way that um, works for your particular business. Um, But certainly when it comes to a a skills first approach, like I've said many times on this podcast, we've hired um, people from a very broad range of um, backgrounds who, who who have found themselves in HR or in this area you know we have a former barrister, a former guard, former nurse, um, you know and they bring a richness to um, the organization to us that we wouldn't have had heretofore because we've always traditionally hired pure HR people who left school studied um this area and went on and it's interesting to see that people who've had that career change and and studied and done something different um and that we've hired for skills in the last few years and they've made a significant impact in our organization so i really do recommend having a broad mind when it comes to um you know, who you're out there looking for. If you can't find exactly what you need, it really is worth breaking the job down into what skills do you need and and, and who else might have them? Where else might you get them? And look at training and nurturing and growing, coaching, mentoring uh, as a way to bringing on talent within your organisation.
1: Definitely. And as we've said in previous chats, even with yourself, Louise, and it's something I'll actually come to with our final question. A lot of it is about thinking differently um, and approaching it like that. So we'll, we'll, we'll park that for, for just a second, because I do actually want to talk about another thing that you mentioned briefly there, Mary, um, It's which is AI. Louise, can you talk to us a little bit about AI uh, and how that featured in the survey?
2: Yes, so the survey had mixed views on the impact of AI on future careers. Interestingly, 29% said they do not think AI will impact their job over the next five years, which is surprising. At the same time, they did also appreciate the benefits of AI technology, with 20% stating that it will create opportunities to learn new skills and help increase their productivity and efficiency at work. Globally, the survey also revealed some stark kind of demographic disparities in employee attitudes towards AI, with younger generations much more likely to expect AI to impact their careers, compared to other generations, like the baby boomers and Gen Z and millennials. So I think business leaders do have a way to go to increase the awareness and understanding of the impact that transformative technologies will have on their workforce. And this really starts with leaders themselves having a clear view of the impacts and the skills needed for the future of work, and then communicating this in a more meaningful way.
1: Definitely, and similar question to yourself, Mary. I mean, AI is something that We've kind of touched upon a couple of times in our own chats, both on this podcast and, and offline as well. It is a kind of an exciting enough space, a little bit of a grey area, a little bit unsure of what's coming really, Mary, isn't it?
3: Yeah, we, we're kind of exploring it uh, ourselves at the moment, Owen, as, as mm. you know, um, and we're looking at it right across the business in terms of, um, you know, how can it enhance and help the team to do their jobs better not replace the team um, and how it might allow people to spend their time on higher value activities rather than on maybe traditional tasks that are time consuming that can be done more easily and quickly through AI. But I do understand fear when it comes to this area because, you know, there's a lot of hype around it too, isn't there? You know, let's, if you're hearing about let's not release the next version of um, open AI because, you know, humanity is not ready for it, well, who isn't going to be frightened by that kind of statement? You know, so I do understand that people might fear that they will be displaced by new technologies um, and can't imagine what the role would look like in the future if an organization in, is introducing these kind of technologies. Um, I do see it as a, an exciting development in HR anyway and certainly something that can maybe reduce the burden, the administrative burden um, from a HR perspective. But, you know, again, I think we've a long way to go. And I know there's, you know, European legislation pending around this whole area. Um, And we're probably only at the cusp of understanding from a, you know, legal perspective uh, and an employment law perspective what, AI might mean uh, in the world of work. I'd love to talk to um, people who who have some, you know, advanced thinking around this area. We haven't yet, but I hope we do get to it. And um, Louise, it's really interesting to hear the results of your survey from from uh, that respect. You know, I'm I'm quite surprised that there's uh, that number of people who don't believe that it is going to impact their work in the future. Um, you know, it's. I wonder, is it head in the sand, or is it just maybe just not enough awareness about it?
1: Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's one thing I do want to kind of shout out, Mary Zell, is that We'd love to of chat to somebody about it because there's so much to it, and it probably could be, you know, a podcast episode in itself. So it's great to hear those results so that we have a little bit of context for for a big discussion on it, which is fantastic. Um. And then I suppose kind of last but not least, and it's something you actually mentioned, I think it's the first thing you mentioned actually, Louise, and it's something that I kind of want to give a bit of time to at the end as well. It's a uh, workplace culture. I mean, that's something that's that's never going to change. It'll, it'll always be there. Can you talk to us a little bit about uh, workplace culture, how that featured in the survey, how important and foundational it is as kind of a key factor, key thing for employees?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I think a positive workplace culture and good working environment is essential. You know, employees need to feel connected and valued and, and, and supported. What's interesting from our survey is that only 50% said that they can truly be themselves at work. And on top of that, just 55% felt that their manager treats them and their colleagues fairly and equitably. So addressing this is going to be critical to create the environment where people feel a sense of belonging and and feel cared for. I really believe that building a culture of belonging so that everyone can bring their best self to work is going to be vital. Probably the first step for leaders is really to, you know, reevaluate their culture and processes as part of that overall people strategy. And then take more deliberate um, and significant action to deliver on what their employees really want.
1: Definitely. And I suppose, Mary, kind of similar question to yourself then to to close out. I mean, every company has a culture, whether they put work into it or not. Um, So I suppose it is one of those things that HR teams, organizations can kind of take a bit of a grasp of. Um, And look, I suppose it's something that is hugely important and another one of those topics that people have to think a little bit differently about, isn't it?
3: I think so. Um, You know, usually, I suppose, in boom times, there's quite a lot of focus on what culture actually is. And maybe during recession, depression kind of times, that recedes a little bit. So I think there's a lot of talk about culture at the moment. And uh, again, a requirement to put effort into influencing that culture. You know, can you... Can you change a toxic culture easily? No. Uh, Can you work on improving any culture? Yes. And it starts with listening to your employees and understanding, as a starting point, what is our actual culture? Um, And then trying to proactively influence positive change or grow on, build and develop on a a positive and good culture. Um, You know, we've talked many times about how um, a change in leadership can influence culture uh, positively or negatively. Um, And, you know, it's so important that your leadership lead by example and, um, you know, are open to hearing what it is their employees want because that makes all the difference to the kind of culture that's in place, doesn't it? You you, you follow what you see happening at work.
1: 100% of knowledge is power. So hopefully that chat did equip you all with a little bit more knowledge. Again, it's a it's a fantastic survey. So it's great to hear those results from from Louise and and I suppose some of the the guidance and and comments from Mary as well. So thank you to both of you for a very insightful discussion. Uh, thank you to everyone for listening we catch you next week for the next installment of our podcast so don't forget to click subscribe and join the discussion on our social media channels we'd love to hear your thoughts actually on a lot of these findings so do please get involved Uh, if you are enjoying these episodes do please feel free to share them with your colleagues friends and family and even better if you can leave us a review on whatever platform you're on we'd really appreciate it too and as always for hr consultancy services and management you can trust get in touch with us today at insidehr.ie thank you louise and thank you mary
0: Thanks for joining us today on the HR Room podcast, the podcast series from Insight HR that helps you create the human resources systems and workplace culture that's right for your business. For show notes and bonus content, go to www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. That's www.insighthr.ie forward slash podcast. We'd love it if you subscribe, like, and share the show with any friends and colleagues who are looking for fresh ideas on how to create the ideal workplace for their business. And remember, if you need any HR support, get in touch with us at Insight HR. Whether it's conducting a complex workplace investigation, filling a gap by providing you with a virtual or an on-site HR resource, or providing advice via our HR support line, we'll help you resolve whatever human resources challenge your business is facing. Thanks, and see you soon.